people believe in their vision and they believe in what they're saying like with their whole self and they like feel it as they're speaking it like that is how you impact an audience and like that is how people will listen to you and that's how people will want to be involved as well so that's sort of where my work comes in and what all my work pointed to is it was like it's really from the inside out and like if you do also like the work to get past the stuff that's um this st like the challenges that are coming up inside of you that are stopping you from being able to fulfill on your mission like getting past those and just getting really really clear on what you care about and like letting that north star be the only like the guiding light in your life and nothing else like that is how you create great things like, that is how you bring in Hello and welcome to the Making Better Podcast, where we talk about how to make ourselves, our teams, and our organizations better. Whether you are a business leader, a talent and development professional, or an individual contributor, this show will give you actionable insights to help improve your own performance and the performance of those around you. Our guest today is Rachel Lyons. Now, Rachel and I have known each other for several years now. We both share a very deep passion for space exploration. Uh, for the past few years, she has been the executive director of Space for Humanity, a nonprofit organization which uses the spaceflight experience as a way to expand our perspectives on Earth. As a public speaker, Rachel has been featured in more than 100 events worldwide and has helped build partnerships between organizations like Virgin Galactic, Axiom Space, and Blue Origin. Her efforts also include holistic leadership coaching to help people expand their perspective, specifically their perspective on their career, company, and lives. Through her coaching journey, Rachel empowers clients to truly embody their vision, enabling them to create meaningful impact in the world. I know this is going to be an extremely powerful discussion, so I can't wait for that. But before we get into it, I do want to remind you that if this is your first time listening to the show, please make sure you subscribe so you never miss a future episode. And if you are already subscribed, I would ask that you share this show with at least one other person because that, after all, is how we grow. I can't tell you how much it means to me. So with that, Rachel, how are you doing today? I'm great. I'm, I am here in warm and sunny Florida and um, super grateful to be with you, Matt. Excellent. Well, I'm grateful to have you here. Like I mentioned, you know, we have been, we've known each other for quite a while. I think we met when I was at SpaceX and you were getting started at Space for Humanity. We went out, went out to lunch and had some, had some great discussions. Um, for those people who don't know, because, you know, I have a huge interest in space, but as exciting as we both find it, there's still plenty of people who aren't up to the latest and greatest space news. So for people who haven't heard about it, what is Space for Humanity? What have you been doing the yeah. last couple of years? Totally. Yeah. And Matt, that feels like almost like a different lifetime when we met for yes. lunch. And Everything pre-COVID is another lifetime. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so yeah, Space for Humanity. We were founded in 2017 by a space investor, um, founder, CEO of Voyager Space. His name is Dylan Taylor. And um, we were founded with the goal at the time to sponsor as many people as possible to go to space commercially. And in, I say a goal at the time because we've since achieved that goal. 
and we have sent two people to space and we were involved with a third going to space um, and plan to send many more in the future. Um, but what I will share about the mission behind the why, because, you know, some people, they, I, they hear that point blank and they're like, what's the, what's the point of that? Um, <laughs> yeah. And what I always love to share about people and the reason that I love space is because there is this, what is called a cognitive shift that happens to astronauts. So when astronauts go to space, you know, they're floating weightless in space. They look back at our planet. They see it glowing with the brightest colors they have ever seen. Um, it is, it's interconnected. It's fragile. The atmosphere is paper thin. And then in every direction otherwise, they're looking into, literally into infinity with stars scattered everywhere. Astronauts going to space and having that experience will change their perspectives forever. And oftentimes they come back down with a completely new perspective about everything that is happening on our planet, from the environment, to politics, to humanitarian issues, to even just their, their place in their local communities. And oftentimes astronauts come back down with a desire to do something about it, like a desire to create change. Um, I know of all the astronauts I've gotten the honor of speaking to, so many of them have come back down and had this become their life's mission, like to share this with the world. And so what we do is we sponsor people who wouldn't otherwise have access, like, you know, they can't afford the ticket, which the listeners likely are aware if they're listening to your podcast that tickets are available to go to space right now. And we can talk there, about yeah, that there's, later. Yeah, there's multiple ways now. It's, it's incredible. <laughs> there's so many, there's, I mean, there's the most ways ever in all of human history uh, as of like the past two, three years. Yeah. Um, so yeah, people can buy tickets to space. They're very pricey. Um, or, you know, you can still become a NASA astronaut and, you know, a, go the science and engineering route you know, study multiple languages, probably Russian, become a scuba diver, um, do all the things that you need to do to even be like looked at by NASA at this moment. Um, and then, and then if you're lucky, get selected out of like 14,000 people. Um, <laughs> so anyways, um, it's just, it's something that hasn't been accessible to obviously the common person at all. Um, and so, yeah, so we take applications on our website, people apply to our program, we select them based off of their potential for impact. So we want people who are going to go up there, you know, have that, what I would call awakening experience, and then come back down and use it as a way to create greater change in their communities. Um, and we also, you know, we have a training program, we help them along it, we really help them with that impact. Um, but yeah, so that's the fundamental mission is like democratizing access to space and using that grander perspective as a way to solve some of our greatest challenges. It's it's kind of the ultimate example of what I often, what I hear some people talk about is like, you have to be selfish to be selfless, where sometimes you need to, you know, take care of yourself, take, you know, it's, it's kind of like at a very small level, it's like putting on your own oxygen mask before you put on somebody else's, you know, you got to take care of yourself so that you can take care of other people. This is kind of the ultimate example of that, of where clearly it's still an experience that you are having for yourself. It's this thing that you are trying to achieve, but you can, by doing that, it just changes you in such a fundamental way. And this has been known for a very long time. Uh, in the, in the recent episode, uh, with, uh, Loretta Whitesides, we talked a little bit about this and everybody should look up 
uh, William Shatner's reaction when he came back from his, you know, trip into space and just his complete awe and it, it just, you could tell it really shaped him. But even go going back to, you know, the seventies or the late sixties and the early seventies, you know, it's very strongly believed today that, you know, the modern environmental movement, all the th- regulations that were passed, everything that we've been doing through the seventies to help preserve planet earth really kind of came out of this basic fact that for the first time we got a single picture of the whole earth right whereas the astronauts were traveling around the moon they sent back these images where it was just you could know it you could intellectually know something of this is a planet but it's different to really see it as like ah that's just the earth and we're all right there um so it's it's a pretty incredible experience that moves everybody who undertakes it apparently yeah exactly and there's so much that i could say in response to that matt you're like touching on obviously like the thing that i have studied intensely for like the past you know seven years um but the one thing that i'll share and and i was just chatting with someone at a party about this actually like they were saying like how william shatner going to space has made has like touched the most amount of people possibly ever. I don't know if that's actually true, but like him as an individual has touched a lot of people. A lot of people have really gotten the impact of this from seeing him come back down, like so deeply tearful, you know, so deeply moved by what he saw and, you know, not to state the obvious, but this is what happens when we send artists, you know, this is what Mm. happens when we send people who know how to feel their emotions and like can be impacted that deeply by something. Because, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. not to knock engineering, but the engineering mind is not trained for that. Like someone who's like, you know, that skilled in engineering is not trained for that. Someone who's as skilled as he is in his craft of acting, he's like a master at being able to like feel and receive uh, stimulus around him and being able to like um, share it effectively as well. Emote. And so, (laughs) yes, exactly. And so... I think it's just the perfect example of, of why, you know, there, I think it was, I think it's an Apollo astronaut who went to space, who he went to the moon, he came back and he was like, we should have sent a poet. You know, that's why it's not just about the communication. It's also about like how these human beings are oriented and their ability to like take in the actual experience. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's the whole inspiration or a big part of the inspiration I'm sure behind the whole dear moon mission uh, for through SpaceX where, you know, they are sending up a mission around to orbit around the moon. And um, it's all people who are chosen for exactly that that reason. Um, we could go deeper into your moon, but I, th- I think you did just touch on something that I think is an excellent transition of this idea of how, you know, very often in space, it is very engineering heavy because it's an engineering problem. And so we've sent a lot of engineers up into space and science, scientifically oriented people, math oriented people. And now we're just starting to get this opportunity to send people with kind of a little bit of another other backgrounds into space. But you are now kind of working a lot on helping leaders in this industry, in this very engineering heavy industry, to coach them to kind of achieve more potential as a leader so that they can be, you know, they chances are if you're a leader in a space organization, it's a high likelihood you have an engineering background. <laughs> 
but maybe that doesn't give you all the skills you need to be a good leader. And I know when I talk about leadership and when most of the people listening to this probably talk about leadership, we talk about leadership skills. We talk about how to give feedback, how to talk to others, how to set goals. It's not quite engineering, but it's engineering-y. Like it's still there, it's still like these skills that you're using to shape the world around you. And based on our discussions, it sounds like you have much more of this kind of idea or philosophy that if you really want to reach your true potential as a leader, it comes out of a lot of this other non-engineering stuff, this inner work, this understanding your emotions, understanding yourself more deeply. Do I get, did I say that right? Is that like, how did you kind of come to this, this idea? That's a great question. Yeah. And you definitely spot on. Um, so it's a really good question. I mean, and since you had Loretta on, I can actually bring her in. Um, so I discovered yeah. my love for space and I was 19. Um, I was studying industrial engineering at the time because I was strong. I was strong in math and science and I knew it would get me a good job. I didn't have any actual like passion for the subject though at all. Um, discovered my love for space, immediately switched into aerospace engineering, was just like, I want to help us become interplanetary. I want to you know, build the rockets and the spaceships to help us, you know, do amazing things in this universe. And um, Loretta was one of my really early mentors. And she, I actually credit, I would say, I mean, discovering my love for space was the first just like paradigm shifting, like much greater sense of awareness of like self and of what's around me and all of that. And then Loretta supported me in like the next stage of my path. And, you know, just doing some different like transformational programs and, and inner work. And I just continued to commit to stuff in that realm, like stuff around gaining self-awareness, stuff around getting to know myself. I would say my greatest mentors in space, Dylan Taylor, our founder being one of them, um, always uh, spoke about how important self-awareness is. And, and I remember learning from Dylan, like this true understanding of like the personalities of the people that you're working around actually helps mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. be able to better work with them. And Absolutely. I think understanding yourself can help you understand others, like understanding your yeah. own tics, the stuff that excites you that can help you understand others around you. And then all of that makes for a better leader. Like as yeah. I believe, yeah, leaders, I mean, you know, there's a lot to say about leadership, you know, and there's a lot of, I'm sure if anyone looks around, they can identify leaders that they resonate with and that they're like, wow, that's an amazing leader that I would want to learn from. And they can identify leaders that they're like, heck no, I don't want anything to do with that person's style. And yeah. And I think a lot of that can point to like, what are the underlying values of that person? Like, is it like reaching a goal together? That's like to better humanity and like, you know, and they want in like being inspired along the way and building something amazing. Or is it like sort of like a sense of um, like wanting, wanting power over wanting a sense of importance, like that sort of thing, you know, yeah. and you can tell, you can always tell. And, and, you know, there's always, there's always a mix, but, Anyways, so for me, my journey really started, like, as the, the role demanded more of me, I was like, I knew I needed to commit more and more to my own growth so that I could show up for it. You know, I had never yeah. done a public speaking engagement before Space for Humanity. And um, 
something that I'll, I will be speaking publicly about in the future is like one of my first public speaking engagements, I almost had an anxiety attack on stage. Like I was like in pure freak out mode and you know, who wants to, I want to say this like respectfully, but like, it's really hard to fully take in the message of someone who's like panicking on stage yeah. versus like, and this is where it goes into like, when I say like helping people embody their vision, like if people believe in their vision and they believe in what they're saying, like with their whole self and they like feel it as they're speaking it, like that is how you impact an audience. And like, that is yeah. how people will listen to you. And that's how people will want to be involved as well. So that's sort of where my work comes in. And what all of my work pointed, pointed to is it was like, it's really from the inside out. And like, if you do also like the work to get past the stuff that's, um, this, like the challenges that are coming up inside of you that are stopping you from being able to fulfill on your mission. If you get, if you get past those and just get, mm, I'm, I'm trying to think how I want to say this, but it, like getting past those and just getting really, really clear on what you care about and like letting that North star be the only, like the guiding light in your life and nothing else. Yeah. Like that is how you create great things. Like that is how yeah. you bring in support. Yeah. So you, you just said, if you do the work, which I 100% agree with. What do you, so for you, what do you see as the work? Like that's a that's, there's a big journey there that you've been through. Oh, yeah. Many listeners have been through. I'm I mean that's a journey that never ends. But yeah. when you talk about helping leaders through this, what do you see as the work that you need to help them do? Yeah. So that's such a good question. I would say that it's different for everyone and like there's just no sure. prescription here. There's no prescription here. There's no one single style. There's no also like one coach or one leader that's going to be the perfect fit for, you know, two different people. Like the first thing that I would say is around the work is people need to find things that resonate with them. And sometimes, um, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you have to start with something like sometimes you just have to start you just have to start to yeah. figure out what you want and what you don't want which i did totally. that too i long in the beginning i did some programs that i am like i would not step foot in that room now you know almost 10 years later i would not go near there but i'm so grateful that that's where i started um and so around the work i would say it's like whatever each person's individual journey is along the path of self-awareness like the ability to get to know yourself better, you know, get to get clear on your priorities in a deeper way, get to get past whatever's stopping you, um, like become stronger in your sense of self and more clear. Another really big part of my work is like, which the overview effect does this, it like has you let go of paradigms that we've inherited, whether it's through mm. like societal norms, through the educational system, through your parents, through your friends, like our whole lives, we've inherited a lot of like shoulds or ideas or things that dictate so much, they end up dictating so much of our behavior. Yeah. All of these paradigms that end up like dictating like our day-to-day -day experience. Yeah. And so a lot of my work is also about like, there's a term 
I've heard like unlearning. Um, but mm -hmm. though it's like deeper, it's deeper than unlearning, but it's like letting go yep. of paradigms that we've inherited so that you can actually like create your own reality. That's like true for you. Yeah. And that's leadership. Like that is actually leadership. Yeah. And I think it's, it's so much of that idea, you know, before you can lead others, you have to lead yourself. And so I'm sure it's about starting with understanding what those things are for you, what resonates with you, what your mission is, what you believe in, what you're passionate about. And until you know that for yourself and can kind of push yourself to the, towards those things, it's gonna be pretty hard to push other people towards those things, I would, I would guess. Exactly. exactly, yeah. And it's almost like, and this might sound crazy, um, but it's almost like, it's like following the breadcrumbs. Like for me, hmm. first it was, it was space and that was, you know, completely true. And then, and then I discovered, and then it was like, you know, aerospace engineering was really exciting. And then I like joined the groups that seemed really exciting. And then I learned about the overview effect. And then I learned about like space for humanity's mission. And then I like followed the leaders that I really were inspired by, you know, it's just like one foot in front of the other of like, what is the most exciting thing to me right now? And mm -hmm. honestly, nothing about that has failed me. Yeah. Where do you find, because I do think, I mean, some some of what you're saying, one, one you know, kind of a way to phrase what you were just saying is, is kind of like a follow your passion, follow, follow what you're interested in. I often find when you're listening to people talk about this, there, there can be kind of a balance or it's almost like a chicken and egg of which comes first, the passion or the competence. Because sometimes you just re get really passionate about something because you're good at it and you like it, you know, or you're not passionate in it because you're bad at it. Have you, have you, in your journey, have you found any of that of that it was, I guess, what was leading you more? Was it that, pa was it the passion or the opportunities or, I don't know, do you have any, have any, because there's going to be lots of times where maybe people have a passion, but they're like really bad at it at first and it discourages them. You know, what, what do you think yeah. about situations like that? I mean, it's a really good question. And like, there's just, there's no answers. Like there's no, no never any firm answers, you know, like you, sure. we just all 100%. need to like really do our best at any given moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. But for me, it's just like such a mix too. Like I don't, I actually don't have a, a firm answer for you at this, at this moment. Um, you know, I was really blessed to get the opportunity to be the executive director of Space for Humanity and my passion drove me to do more than I ever imagined that I could. Sure. And I yeah. was in no way good at the role when I started. And, and I still have growth points, you know, I still have yeah, growth points. Yeah, totally. Um, but in, in, I was in no way good at the role. I think I had some, what I did have was like a natural, na like a natural interest. Like, for yeah. example, like public speaking, building partnerships, fundraising, leading a team. It's a lot of like interpersonal work. It's a lot of like sharing a vision. It's a lot of, you know, helping like building community to help people get involved. Those are all things that like are exciting to me. And though yep. I wasn't necessarily good at a lot of it, I was some of it I was good at. When I first started, I had the natural interest to build my skills there. Yeah. And luckily I had a passion that was big enough that 
made it a no-brainer. It didn't make it easy. It was not, it was not easy, but it made it a no-brainer. Um, yeah, it was that passion that probably fueled you, your ability to get better. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And that's sort of what my work points to with leaders is like getting, helping people get crystal clear on their visions then yep. th- like then those become the most important things in the world whether you're doing it as your vocation and getting paid for it or not um yeah and then the other thing i'll say is i as i mentioned i studied aerospace engineering and i was really trying to fit myself into a shoe that didn't fit and you know like that a lot of the people in my year like they loved going to the machine shop and they loved like building things and like they mm. they loved all of that and for me i was just like uh-uh. you know, not, not my thing. And, um, and just like, not, and it just wasn't something that was enjoyable to me. You know, like I didn't want to tinker. Yeah. Um, and I'm, so I'm sure grateful for them because they're incredible engineers. Yeah. So that's probably some of what you're then too, what you're doing with your coaching now is kind of helping people identify those, those points of friction and see if there are other paths. I, rem- I remember, I always remember when I first started swimming in high school. I I swam competitively in high school for about four years, for four years. And I remember when I first started swimming for the first two weeks, I was trying to convince myself, it's not quitting if you don't like it. (laughs) Yeah. Because I hated it. It was awful. (laughs) And I I do think there's, it, it can be hard. And this is where coaching can really help. It can be hard to know the difference of like, am I quitting or is this just like the wrong path? Right. Yeah. And um, that's that's hard to identify. I mean, and that could apply in relationships. You know, yep. how many people yep. stay in marriages for a decade yep. or more decades yep. that actually isn't the right fit for them. And then, I mean, I've heard stories of people who like they finally get the courage to quit. Not the right term, but yeah. And then and then soon after they meet a person who it just like really works with, you know, and and so. And, and that's something I've been really interested in lately is like, how often do we um, stay in a thing for too long because of like shoulds that we have, like we should be doing it or because of just like fear of losing it. And when we actually cross that threshold, there's so much more space in our lives for us to create something that's even better. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And for, I was just, as you were talking, I was thinking of a book, uh, Annie Duke, who's a for, uh, former professional poker player. She, her newest book is called Quit, uh, The Power of Knowing When to Walk Away. So it is exactly <laughs> what you're talking about here. Cause it's, mm-hmm. yeah, it can be when you do it, when you find the right things, uh, it can be super powerful. Yeah. Um, and well, it's not without pain, you know, like it 100%. can be also, if it's something that we love, yeah someone that we yeah. love. It's not without pain. And that's like part of the initiation. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So we, you've talked us through a lot of your your journey. Um, so to kind of close out here, one question that I always like to ask at the end of through all that, when you look back, what do you think is the one skill that has helped you the most? Oh, wow. Um, that's a great question. I would say, um, and I, yeah, I think it would be, it's sort of like a two-parter, but it's like 
um, willingness to look inward is the first one, but then Mm -hmm. a part of that is like willingness to take responsibility, you know, especially as the leader. Um, It's if your team, if if there's a teammate that's not performing, you know, if, if you're not meeting your fundraising goals, if, you keep not making deadlines. Like as the leader, you need to be taking responsibility for the reality that is happening around you. And it could mean yeah. letting go of a team member. You know, it could mean adjusting yeah. your fundraising goals, whatever. Or it could mean something else. But as a leader, if we're not willing to like um, take responsibility for what's going on around us and grow from it and learn from it, then we are in what I would call like an old leadership paradigm of like, Mm, it's sort of like the one that I was saying before. It's sort of like like the better than others. Just wanting power. Yeah, just yeah. wanting power. Exactly. The the one that's just wanting yeah. power versus the one who's like we're we're in this together and we're you yeah. know and there's a direction that we're going and we all have a responsibility in that, including me. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So then the last question I close with, I'm gonna I'm gonna change it a little bit because usually I ask about kind of at the organizational level, but since you work with a lot of leaders what is the most common thing you see that leaders can improve about themselves? I know that there's never a right answer. There's all kinds of things. I don't know, but do you, do you see, especially with your, in, in kind of your focus of that inner work, if I'm, if I'm a leader right now, what's most likely something that I should reflect on and be like, do I, do I fall into this? Do you, do you, is there a common theme that you've seen? Yeah, the most common theme that I've seen. I mean, I would say that there's just, everyone's really different. It's like everyone's the same, but also everyone's incredibly yes. different. You know? That's absolutely right. And um, so I would say in terms of themes, I think I'm still like watching and listening and discovering. Um, and I think like thinking just to recent conversations that I've had with clients, one thing that I would want people to realize and know is how it, and it might sound a little cheesy but it's like you are responsible for the reality that you create what i mentioned before mm. and you know yeah. i've had clients who go into a pitch meeting and they're sort of like nervous and like not really standing in their worth and like kind of like unsure if like they should like give, you know, ask for less money, even though they know it's worth this much. And, you know, and then they like don't really land the deal or it's like the deal is like a little bit messy. And like this person asked for, you know, something more. And it's just like, it just gets weird versus like when they stand with clarity, like this is where my boundaries are. This is what I know this is worth. And this is what I know the value would be for you. Yeah. You know, they're, they instantly have, they will not always, but like they have will, will instantly land the deal when they have that clarity. That's something that I've found in my life is just, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm on the, the Jocko Willink train of extreme ownership. The more, the more you can take ownership of everything, but then also, as you're saying, like truly take ownership of yourself and your ideas and, and have your standards and boundaries and create the world that you want to around you. Um, it's, it's really, really important and impactful. Yeah. Well, and you know what the cool thing is, too, is that when you take like the more you take ownership, the more power you have. Because then you're not being like, oh, it didn't work out because like that person over there didn't show up. You're like, oh, okay, it didn't work out. Now, what like what can we do next time? Like I see that there's a place for me to work on this. Like 
you know, let's yeah. fix that for next time. It's like you have the power versus like having it in question mark places. Exactly. Exactly. So this has been a great conversation, Rachel. Um, thank you so much for your time. I, I had a blast during this conversation. If, if people want to find out more about you, what's the best way for them to connect with you? Yeah, so they can go over to my website, rachellyons.com. Um, and then they can also reach out if they're interested in learning more about my work to info at rachellyons.com. Excellent. Thank you. And we'll make sure to put links in that in the show notes. Uh, hope everybody has a great day. Thank you, Rachel, for being here today. I look forward to future conversations. Thank you, Matt. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you liked the discussion, make sure to hit like and subscribe so you never miss an episode. As a reminder, if your team is struggling keeping up with the training development demands of your organization, we want to help. Better Everyday Studios is a full-service instructional design team that can help you with everything from ideation to actual content creation and delivery. Please reach out to us using the link in the episode notes below. Have a great day.